Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hi, I'm Paul Holmgren. Hey, I'm Travis Konechny. Hi, I'm Chuck Fletcher. Hey, this is Jeremy Roenick. Hi, this is Travis Sanheim. Hi, I'm Joel Farabee. Hi, this is Derek Broussard. Hey, I'm Scott Lawton. Hi. This is Bob Clark. And you're listening to Snow the Goalie. 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 Oh, yes! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. Oh, boy. This is this is a moment we've all been waiting for. Ladies and gentlemen, Chuck Fletcher's been fired. No? No, he hasn't. He... Sorry, guys. He has not yet been fired. The Flyers suffered another 10-game losing streak under this man's tenure. He's still here. You know who else is here? Ant San Philly. Bundy, we're all back. The three man, the three musketeers, we're all back here on the Only Flyers podcast. Know the goalie, uh, and as much as I want to go back to you, we have to welcome our friend here. He's he's front and center. If you're watching on the Crossing Broad YouTube channel right now, <laughs> you can see his glowing, smiling face. You hear that beautiful chuckle, and right over his shoulder, you see that best-selling book, Road to Redemption, and that, of course, is our friend Chris Terrian. Bundy, how are you doing, you beaut? I'm doing so good, guys. And you know what? I know we were on, I was on a little bit earlier in the year with you guys. And it almost feels like the first 20 games of the year is 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 bizarre, the entire league-wide. Like, I think everybody in, in their own sense is trying to get ahead of the pack. But they're also trying to kind of figure out who they are, I think, as, as teams, individuals. Like Tampa Bay, for example, coming into the year, three straight finals. You know, they're a little bit different team. It took them a while to kind of clamp down and, and get themselves back on a roll. But you know, like the Flyers, like kind of like we said in the summer, I don't know if anybody, you know, we, we did a lot of the predictions of the games, which I remember vividly. They may not have all been right on the number, but me and Anthony were right around the ballpark in terms of the, the actual numbers, uh, the guessing figures. And we actually said the Flyers would have a good start, new coach with a foot up their rear end, and, uh, and it's happened. The problem is, which, I mean, I guess it's not hard to overlook or to, to, to look past, but I mean, there was this team is capable of a 10 game losing streak. And as it's formed right now, it's still capable of another one. So that's the problem that stared them down. They had a great start. Carter Hart was the absolute MVP of the NHL, the first uh, 10, 12, 14 games of the year. Uh, But this team has leveled back off. Other teams have started taking it more seriously. Um, I missed you guys. I'm not going to lie. It's been about a month and a half. The big book stuff came out, which I was really busy on, guys, and work itself in the recovery industry has been extremely busy. Um, but as I said, I put on Twitter today, I'm kind of like passed by the first 20 games of the year. It may not be a bad thing to do. Minimize it to a 60-game season. It gives me a chance to get some work done. Uh, but I can focus on on the games. I'm actually heading down to the Flyers game tonight, uh, bringing my son, a couple of friends. We're meeting some clients down there. So I'm excited to kind of be back in the fold. Uh, from a standpoint of like, you know, I, I think one of the things, Anthony, we talked about last year, and I was really – on them about was their effort and the way the team was perceived on the ice. Listen, uh, they're given an effort on the ice. They are dramatically limited talent-wise. We've said this before. I don't need to beat a drum over that anymore. They are what they are, but they've worked and they've tried to show up. They've tried to make a difference and it just hasn't happened. Uh, 
And I think that we kind of, we saw the formula coming like that, but guys, great to see you. Happy holidays. I love being back and talking hockey. And now that I found a way to limit it from an 82 to 60 game season, it makes it even better. So I'm ready to really come. I'm moving into the the home stretch now, boys, 60 to go. That's, that's our guy. That's our guy right there. By the way, if I remember correctly, and when we did our, uh, our episode right before Thanksgiving, we said we were thankful for our listeners, um, that was for some reason hard for Ant to remember. He he was trying to give thanks for his uh, his significant other, but I was like, that's it's the fans, but also for you. And I'm happy that you're back because uh, there's a lot to get into. And I want to point out really quickly before we get into this, we are going to do our damnedest today, especially it's the holiday season. Joy is everywhere. I can't I can't be negative. Okay, we're gonna try to find some positives. And it might not be positive for some people who are currently employed by the Philadelphia Flyers uh, for much longer. But for now, we're going to try to find something positive with this team. And as you said, the effort has been better. Uh, The talent is not there. We can get into that, and we certainly will. Um, But a guy who has been down covering this team, uh, a guy who has been down there faithfully, uh, you know, on the beat for the Flyers, you know, of course, since the uh, the Phillies World Series run came to an end. That, of course, is our very own Anthony Sanfilippo. Find him on Twitter, at Philly. How are you doing? You be- Look at you with your Phillies hat on. Look at you. Looking all, all chipper. <laughs> yeah, I'm do- doing great, Ross. Thanks for uh, thanks for, thanks for uh, coming to me. Um, as always, it's, it's always a pleasure talking to, talking to both of you guys. Um, yeah, I mean, it, you know, I, I, I found a couple positives um, in the last – home in the last loss to the Islanders and I there were even more positives I think in the way that they played Tuesday night which was probably their most complete game of the year um and you know I I I make fun of the fact that this team is a fighting team again um that that they all they do is fight and win fights and you know it's a lot of fun to joke about that on Twitter but Bundy will tell you this, that there is an element to that, the way that the game started with the Islanders, that really was important for that team in the, you know, trying to snap a long losing streak. And so even though it's premeditated, which is silly, um, the fact that you have uh, those guys go out there and it's McEwen at seven seconds and and then it's um, Delorier at eight seconds dropping the gloves and trying to get the team into the game right away um, it is kind of important. And it was important for the team to, to know that, you know, they were just going to pick up where they left off in that last game against the Islanders. And, you know, they were going to keep pushing forward to get that win that they felt that they could get. Yeah. They felt like they were the better team on the Island, even though they lost the game. And so I think it was, it was, it was like, Hey, New York, we're not just going to sit there and say, all right, we gave you our best shot. Now roll over us here. It's going to be like we're still we're still here we're still clawing we're still going to scratch and fight um, and, and maybe we'll win this one and it turns out that they did uh, because they played really a- after the two undisciplined penalties they played really structured hockey for about fifty six minutes um, and we were they were able to get a couple of goals which they needed um, and played great defense beyond that and were, were able to win a game so it, it, you know team wise that was good. There were individual players who were good um, in the game. There's some individual players who've been good for a little while now. I mean, we could talk. We, I know you, Russ. You want to talk about Kevin Hayes. So why don't we? Why don't we? You know, you know, 
transition to that right now because this is the best start to his career offensively. Um, he's averaging more than a point a game at the moment. Um, and, and he's doing it without really NHL caliber players around him, at least up front. Um, yeah, he's partnered with Joel Farabee, who is an NHL caliber player, and Lucas Sedlak, who is a waiver wire pickup. Um, but th- that line has been good since, since Torts put them together. He moved Hayes to the wing where he's creating more offense. And, you know, he's just – he's even even though it, it, it seems like he keeps getting relegated in some capacity by the coach to a different role and a less important role and not really part of the leadership group anymore. And he the coach has had some – some veiled comments, some not so veiled comments about Kevin Hayes and the way he plays. It's motivated him to to be such a good player that if you're a team from around the league and you're looking and saying, what can we add to our roster at the trade deadline that could really help us and put us over the top? It's there. There's a path. I know it's tough because of the contract that's still there. 7.1 7.1 million over the next three years beyond this season, but there is a path to getting to getting him off the books and moving him. It just requires that he continues to play at this level, and Torts has to keep pushing the right Kevin Hayes buttons. Here's, so here's let me get this straight: Are you saying, Ant, that this could be Kevin Hayes trade season? Is it finally a month? Is it is it is this moment finally happening? This moment that we have dreamt about, we have fantasy booked for a long time. That because uh, uh, it was, I, I don't listen. We we go back to when when you and I were doing this show, and Chuck Fletcher made this like the move, the early move of his tenure. We're done sitting back. We're done waiting. We're done not playing the free agent game like Ron Hextall, with the exception of the JVR move, like. We are we are diving in here, baby. Like we're we're going after a guy that we think is going to be our two C at least until Nolan Patrick's ready to take that spot. Let's go get. We're going to get our guy. Are we overpaying him? Yes. Are we giving him too much term? Yes. But are we going to get him? Hell yeah, we are. It never felt like this was going to be the right situation because inevitably the contract was going to look bad. And I, if I remember correctly. We said the last three years of that deal, especially, were going to look hideous. Well, there's three years left on his deal. Um, the seven-ish million dollar cap hit doesn't look nearly as bad, considering that the cap is going to rise. You know, each year going from from here on out, um, he's a point per game player. He's in that neighborhood, and as you mentioned, he seems to have responded well to tough coaching, to being called out in the in the press to being relegated to a fourth line role uh, at one point. One has to think that like, if there is any time that you're going to be able to move Kevin Hayes, if that is your decision as an organization, that that's the way you want to go. The the time is now Bundy. Where do you, where do you land on this? Is it yeah. Kevin Hayes trade season? And should it be? I appreciate, well, I think, I'll be honest with you, Russ, I don't think there's one guy maybe outside the goalie that should be an untouchable or considered an untouchable on this team. Not one. Um, That includes new signings, older contract signings. It doesn't matter to me. So from that standpoint, I think that it has to be an open mind in terms of what you're trying to get back. Because this this requires, as we said, 
this still requires a full rebuild from my estimation. I mean, even the guys, because you have injury situations that are going to go well beyond even this year, whether they want to admit it or not. That's a, that's a reality of older players that have injuries. Here's my issue with Kevin Hayes. If Kevin Hayes were playing like this and he had a year left, maybe two years left, I'd say, okay, let's. this is probably not a real bad thing because it's it, you could get rid of him. I, if I'm another GM, I'm looking at it from the outside coming in, they're going to say to themselves, okay, well, we know what he was before. And if he's going to come here and we're going to make a commitment to pay that kind of money, then he's obviously got to go to a contender and a team that's able to pay those bills but also fit him into a structure that they feel he's going to help down in their depth, uh, depth part of their lineup. If he goes to a Stanley Cup contender, he cannot play on the top, top two lines and you expect that team to win a Stanley Cup. It's not happening. He cannot be a top six guy on a contender. That's a hard reality here, but that's a reality that he's been in the past until this year. So here's the dilemma. If a team is bringing him in and you're saying to yourselves, well, listen, we can get excited about what this might look like right now, like march on and hoping our team goes on a run. Maybe it makes sense because he becomes our 3C, our third line center. But do they want to pay that three, three uh, third line center $7 million next year? That's the problem where they have because they go into the offseason, either a stamp, you know, somebody that had a good run in the playoffs or somebody that says we're still a step away. And that step that we took wasn't Kevin Hayes. We don't want to have to pay him $7 million for the remaining every year for the remaining parts of his deal. So how do we get a cheaper viable option? To me, he's, it, the Flyers have themselves a little bit of a quagmire here because – Yes, you have Kevin Hayes playing good, and I credit Torts to that, and Anthony had mentioned that as well. Torts has got this guy to be a player of the game. Whether he likes it uh, the way he's been treated or not, he's still playing and performing at a point-of-game pace. The other problem, but the problem is for it, he's not a true number one uh, center. He's not a number two center at this point in his career. Uh, is he a good enough penalty killer, defensive player to be a third-line center? I don't think he is. I don't think he's built for that. So, you know, again, you change the whole mindset of who that player is if you move him to a team. And that's not your problem. If you can find a team to take Kevin Hayes' remaining salary, every penny of it, then, man, I'll tell you what, somebody has done one heck of a job if they can do that. But I, I, I'm, I'm thinking more that you're going to have to probably buy some of that contract at the same time and, and help well, pay for it because relieving the Flyers of that entire thing I don't, I don't think is, is a possibility or something that's foreseeable for me. That's well, why I call it a quagmire. He's either a third liner somewhere else that you're paying $7 million to, or he stays here and, and, and builds points for a team that's not going to make the playoffs. That's what let's, you're dealing with, not let, what you're staring at. Let's get creative for a second, Bundy. Let's let's yeah. just play play a game with me here for just a, sure. just a second. Um, let's say you have a team that's interested, and they tell you you have to you have to pay part of the contract, right? Let's say you play you pay. 50% Two, this three. season, 50% yeah. remainder of this season, because it really, this season doesn't matter, right? So so you you take up the – up the, 50% is the max. So right. you pay the 50% this year. You pay, And then moving forward, you pay something like 2.5 next year, 2 and 1. To, to just take a little bit of the money away, right? So you, you, you got repeat, yes. repeat those numbers again. Like two and a half next year, two million the year after, or or one and a half somewhere, you know, one point seven five, and then a million dollars in the final year mm-hmm. that you pay, you give the other team that you'll cover for that Kevin Hayes contract. Are you okay with that? I mean, it's 
It's part of the it's part of the increase, right? The it's Flyers, the I am. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But so the other, think, it's the other team I'm worried about. I don't yeah. even know if they're going to want to pay him four and a half because they may be able to find somebody that could do that job for two million moving into the following year. That's my issue with what where he's at. He's at a dilemma. The only guy who really is going to win here financially is Kevin Hayes. He's still the one getting his his paycheck all the way, whatever happens. Now, if I'm him, I want to go somewhere and win a cup. And I'm telling these guys yesterday, here's a list of teams, if I, if whatever it is, and see if you can make something happen. But that's the issue I have. I don't want to pay him four and a half or five million any part of any year. I'd rather yeah. go sub it out on a kid, Anthony, and let the kid come in and play, and then actually and then slot him properly where you don't have a guy who thinks he's a point of game player now playing on a third line, killing penalties. And that's where things kind of get interesting. And like in, in your theory, if you're able to offload that contract, knowing that the cap's going up, that $2 million might end up making up a, you know, a portion of, of what the rising cap is going to amount to. So you're almost like, you're almost at, um, you know, net, well, it's not net positive. You're essentially breaking even. I think that's totally fine. It's just, it's a matter of getting that out. Here's the yeah. other question. And I'm not, this is not reporting anything. Um, there have been questions in the past about Kevin Hayes, the hockey player, and also Kevin Hayes, um, the off-ice person. That has come up in the past. This has come up with like other players on this team, and of, of course in the league in the past as well. There have been questions about leadership qualities and about you know like doing the right thing and and all that. Um, if you are John Tortorella and you come to town. And, you know, he, he noted a few times over the summer and even um, before camp started that he had noticed some things about the, the team as a as an entity, about there being some concerning things. I'm not saying and this is not reporting. I'm not trying to connect dots here. But if you're John Tortorella and you say, all right, I'm here for a few years, right? I, I'm signed to this decent deal. I I already have had to go out and publicly call out a guy who used to have an A on his sweater a guy who last year this GM decided to like bring a bunch of his buddies in to, to play with. Right. And, and that didn't net results. Is there a moment where, um, you know, you look at this as an organization, you say like, it's worth moving on from this player because this coach might just believe that this guy isn't worth even being a point per game player. If he's a headache off the ice, or if it takes all of this just to motivate him to come to the rink, like, is there, is there any part of that, that could maybe be at play here, Ant. If you're if you're the Flyers right now, the tough spot you're in is as you're as you're putting forth your best foot to try and make this team better going forward is determining how happy to keep the coach and how best to manage the team. Because John Tortorella is notoriously tough on GMs. We know this. This is not a secret. This was talked. We've talked about this many times. So if, if he's going to be hard on the general manager, whether it's Chuck Fletcher or down the road someone else, you have to at least once in a while figure out ways to keep him happy while juggling the the juggling act being towards you're not the general manager. And that's really what it, what it comes down to. And so he's going to, you know, say the things that he wants to say. 
And it's, everything he says is very calculated. Everything is very smart and th- well thought out. The people think that he's a you know off coach who says shit off the cuff, and he really doesn't. I mean, it's uh, it's well planned. It's smart. He's an, I, I called him an evil genius in the story when I talked about how he's motivating Hayes. So um, it's very well thought out. And he knows what he wants to get, not just from his players, but from his organization. And there's no doubt that a lot of the things that he says in his press conferences are subtle hints that he's not happy with the team that he has. And which is a not a shot on the players, it's more it's more of a shot at the general manager. Yeah, and and so therefore, if you're the organization, if if you're the organization and you're sitting, if you're the management team, first of all, if you're Fletcher and company, you have to look at it and say, well, is is what he's saying best for the team, or is this John just being difficult, John, because he wants to coach a certain type of player? Or, you know, if you're above John, I mean, above um, Chuck, do you look at it and say, how much do we let Tortorella, who we brought in here to be the face of the franchise for this season specifically, how much do we let him have some say in this and when do we put our foot down? So there's a lot that really goes into it. It's, it's, it's a very complex situation and i think that it's probably part of why we are seeing a stagnation in decision making when it comes to that flyers front office because i don't think that there is a a a guaranteed path forward and so therefore you get a little bit of inactivity right and so there and so now it's just a matter of determining what's best of all of these options and there are several of them um and and trying to move kevin hayes is going to be part of a couple of those options and, but having but if you're unsuccessful in doing that that also has to be part of the plan Going forward, like we have to carry this contract at least for another season or maybe another two seasons. And how does that work in the dichotomy between the relationship that you have between upper management and the coach? So it's really I mean, I hope that makes sense with what I'm saying, mm-hmm. um, because that's really what it's what it, what it comes down to. It's really what it boils down to. And, and it's going to be fascinating to me and I think to everybody to follow along and, and see who wins this tug of war? Because I think I know how it's going to go. No, it's a no brainer. Who's going to win it. You know, who's going to win it. And I know yeah. it's going to be John Tortorella is going to win it for, he's got to win it. He can go on a winning streak. Anthony, I know what you're saying for yeah. at least two years here. He can call his own shots. I mean, essentially if he wanted to come out and say, you know what? <clears throat> I think I've had enough of Chuck, but somebody get rid of him. It would happen immediately. If that was a, along the lines of the way he wanted to go. So here's the, but you got to go back into the summer, right guys? Like I hate going beating a dead horse, but so the first offer we know was to Barry Trotz, right? Barry Trotz didn't want to coach. And it's become pretty obvious now that if, if it wasn't, Chuck didn't really want Torts here. He had another pick, another guy. There was other people that said John Tortorella is the best thing from a, a standpoint of having that vibrance through the year. Um, 
to, to you know, being that face, being caught, you know, creating the buzz about the Flyers, whether it's, you know, somebody having an opinion of how he talks to them at a press conference post game or him laying the, you know, laying something at somebody's feet um, or the temple. But again, he came in, he had to know looking at this roster what it was not capable of. And that was winning a ton of hockey games. The one thing that we'd said as a group was that because Torts is such a good coach, he was going to make this team more viable and better than it, than they are. And he's already done that probably, guys. He did that at the beginning of the year showing how good a coach he is. But this team lacks such talent and the injured players they have that are the offensive producers that maybe you're hoping would make you a little bit better, they're not there. So you have to win a game fighting and working – yeah, you're you know every every bit of your body out just to strip uh, scrape a game in against the Islanders the other day. But John Tortorella is in the driver's seat right now. He has carte blanche to do whatever he wants to do for at least two years because they're coming off a mess. It's been a mess for the fans. It's been a mess for everybody involved. And ultimately, we can you can say what you want going into the past, whatever business side relations has been or hockey side relations, it's come because of the bad product on the ice that the fans have been subject to for many years now under the same regime. That's the reality of it. And that's where John Tortorella has enough pride in himself to say, hey, we need to shit or get off the pot here because this simply is not good enough. It's not good enough for me making $4 million as a coach to have me coach a lot and a crew like this. It's not right. It's not right to the fans that he sees come out. And he also knows historically what's happened. This isn't like Chuck coming in last year, right guys? In March as a new GM and, hey, we got to figure some stuff out. We're going to have a bad year. He's been here four years already. Enough's enough. It really, really, enough is enough of what we've seen. I mean, the, the what we've seen with the extensions, um, what we've seen with the, the negligence of, of the summer, of the non-free agents, the willingness, whether it's willingness or unwillingness to not come here uh, or not want to come here, we don't necessarily know. Uh, but this was a team, guys, that came in with major, major talent uh, discrepancies. Uh, it's showing right now it's rearing its ugly head because unfortunately the injury bug did bite early. Uh, it doesn't look like there's anything on the horizon coming in. So from a standpoint right now of what I see the Philadelphia Flyers as this is a hockey department issue right now, nothing else. This falls on the hockey side. And the only way to do that, the fans deserve far better than this. Anthony, you've been around this for as long as you've been born here. Russ, you're, you know, you're not, you weren't born to the inception of the franchise in the early seventies. But this fans in this town, I've been around them, with, especially he's doing this book signing. They deserve far better than the crap that they've had to watch on the ice for the last three years. And the worst part for me, as, as, as a fan, somebody cares deeply about this organization, there's nothing in the future. That's the problem the fans have. It's not necessarily, okay, we accept the present. It sucks. But what the hell is there for us down the pike? Nothing. You got Cam York. People are even wondering what Cam York is at this point. We were told he was going to be the next, who knows, right? Like we had the next great thing. They're not even sure if he's going to be a player yet. So there's nothing up the coming down the pike except the possibility of falling in dead last place to get a junior player who's 18, year old, 18 years old that may or may not hold the cards to your future. That's it. And there's eight other teams that are in the same boat as you're in trying to hope yeah. to get their hands on that pick. And that's where, like, I feel bad for the 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 flat like the people. I think I feel the worst for are like the people who are in marketing and ticket sales, because I don't know how you could try to like how how do you try to sell a horrible product? You try your damnedest. Like you could put on all of the theme nights, and I think Ant said that tonight's game is '80s night, if that's correct. 
And like that, like that's swell. And I, I don't fault the team for doing theme nights. I think it's great. Like you should do that. Yeah. And like, there will be people who will go down, but like the product sucks. Right. And like anybody I think could have seen going into the season that like this team was not well equipped. And I want to relitigate this because I know like some people get really upset when we go back and we're like, all right, I mean, we kind of told you this was going to happen, but like, you went into a season banking on a number of players who have had injury issues in recent memory and, and over the course of their career. You were banking on all of them to stay healthy, to have borderline career years, and for a bunch of your young players and prospects to come in and also take a step. And like, you can't build a team on hope. That's not real, all right? I know it's the holiday season, but you can't build a, a, a legitimate hockey team on hope you can build it with a solid core with good ancillary pieces solid veterans and a young nucleus of players that have top shelf potential this team did not have that this is like the equivalent of you know you asked as a kid for an xbox for christmas and like three of your favorite games and an extra controller so you can play with your friend and instead you go downstairs and it's the Mad Cat's knockoff controller and, uh, you know, like a, an Xbox Live arcade demo disc and the box of the Xbox with no Xbox inside. That's what this was. And that sucks because, as we've said a bunch of times, we want the team to be good. We want to have a good team to talk about. You know, we don't take joy or pleasure in, like, eviscerating all the different aspects of, like, things that we don't think are going well, especially, like, things that have little to do with the on-ice product. I want to come on and like be able to talk about, hey, isn't it great to see Morgan Frost take the next step forward? Boy, it's great to see him like kind of unlock that potential. Hasn't happened. You you look at like a guy like Cam York. We talked in the beginning of the year. I was like, listen, sending him down to the A to me doesn't make sense because you need to figure out in a low stakes season if he's got the ability at the NHL level. You guys argued that like if the coach doesn't think he's earned it, he has to go down, prove himself. And then if he if he plays well or if he earns it, he'll come back up. Well, here we are 20 odd games into the season and either Cam York sucks. And I mean, like legitimately sucks, like is a bad player or he's a malcontent. Like, I don't know where we're at because he hasn't come up and there, there have been opportunities for him to come up. Well, I think, let me stop you just for a second, Russ, because again, this is, this is torts being calculated, right? Yeah. He talked the other day. uh, It was his Monday presser uh, after practice. And we was talking about, Igor Zamula coming back and he was saying this, of course, Zamula was going in for D'Angelo who was out, but he said in that press conference, Zamula was going to play whether or not D'Angelo was available. So someone was coming out of the lineup and he said, the reason was he felt it was time. And he says, you know, your, your goals and, and, and approaches change shift i think is the word he used but shift many times in a season and he says right now he feels is a time that a young player that they want to develop goes onto the blue line okay <laughs> right what are you doing there bundy what explain to people who are listening and not watching what are we what are we doing there so so he wants it so he wants it so there's a lot of messages being sent there the, there, there's message being sent to veteran players that are in that lineup that's saying one of you guys is coming out of this lineup 
or maybe multiple guys are going to come out of the lineup at various times because we're going to play the kid. But the other message is we chose Zamula over York. So, Cam, York, the message to you is I want a young player to develop up here, and it's not you. Now you're going to play better? Yeah. I think so. So I think Torts is very calculated in that. You you know what else, Anthony? There's another point, another layer to what you just said, too. He might – with Zamula coming up, he may never have been sitting out anybody. But just saying that, it's like they everybody reads everything. And and what he's done now is he's taken two or three of the young guys. That's why he's putting the stuff by what number is it? Nine? Is it six? Who is it? You know? But what it does is even if he wasn't going to do that, it has them thinking about it. Right? It's a mind game through the media and yeah. through what you're messaging. And, and I've seen it happen over the years at torts. He's done it. He's made it. He's, he's become a master of it. It's over very Hitchcockian, years. isn't it? Bundy. Yeah. Hitch was. <laughs> Hitch used to do this shit all the time. an asshole though. That, yeah, but like, he, used to, he used to come to us with stuff. He would call us into his office and tell us, here's who, here's who's playing bad. Let me show you how bad they're playing on video. So you can write it in your stories. And he would show us the video. Yeah, man. So you're saying probably, Hitch, like, did your job for you? Well, I guarantee. That but, must have been nice. but for a guy to do that, just shows you what a total fucking asshole Hitchcock was, anyway. And that's why every player that played for him pretty much hated him, anyhow. That's right. why I dedicated a chapter to him being a complete ass in my book. It's so such a great chapter. Total too. Maybe somebody should have actually told the media how many bagels every day he ate. <laughs> Is it over or under twelve? Is he a cream cheese guy? I like cream cheese. Yeah, I love some cream. Cheese. Anything he wanted. Yeah, peanut oh, butter with cream cheese. Guys, I and this I think is kind of where we come back to. Here, here's your Tortorella and your Fletcher issue. And we we said this. We said this months ago that inevitably Tortorella was going to have a power struggle in the press with the GM. And we like we if if I had enough time to go back and clip up old episodes, I could probably fill 25 minutes of this episode with us going back and saying, what's the over under on the amount of games it takes before he calls out a star player like Kevin Hayes. What's the over under on the amount of time before he goes out publicly and notes that the the team doesn't have the level of talent. Like how long does it take? Because it's very clear. Like this is, this was such an easy thing to predict ahead of time. Like newsflash covering sports. Isn't difficult. If you remove the emotional, element of it out it's not difficult to see the way that this kind of thing is going to play out this coach came in this gm did not want him even though bundy somebody that you used to you know work with uh who hosts a flyers podcast you know he will tell anybody who listens that like no if if chuck fletcher didn't want john tortorella in town let me just tell you right now he wouldn't be in town okay cool he didn't want the guy all right so let's be clear and part of the reason is because Tortorella wasn't going to be a lapdog and he wasn't going to be a yes man. If he didn't like the, the talent that this GM put on the ice in front of him, he, he wasn't going to sit back and take it for a year. It just was never going to happen. And so this power struggle that you're starting to see play out is going to continue until inevitably Chuck Fletcher is let go, which honestly can't happen soon enough. And the reason that this is so frustrating, I think, not only for like the, the standpoint of, hey, the talent's not there this year, is you look at the pipeline. And Bundy, you know, you, you mentioned it. It's not as if there are like three stud prospects in the pipeline that are on their way. There's no like real reinforcements. It's a, hey, can, it, is, is Forster going to be a guy who when he comes up, 
is the shot going to translate and, and, and is the skating ability going to improve enough that he's going to be, you know, a, a, a legitimate contributor at this level? It's a, you know, do you, do you kind of like hope and pray that a couple of your other picks are going to make their way? It, you know, is, is Gauthier going to be this, this guy who like, in theory, can come in and like, maybe he can snipe you 30 goals? I mean, I don't know, maybe. He, he was a high enough pick, you would certainly hope so. But like, Cam York, all right, we come back to... Is Cam York a malcontent? Is Cam York just not a good player? Is he not the kind of player the Tortorella wants? Like, where does that fall? By putting him in the A, you're not getting legitimate film at this level that, like, if you think he is an NHL-caliber player who doesn't fit John Tortorella's style or doesn't have the, the mental makeup of a Tortorella player, you're not even giving yourself the possibility of being able to, like, put film out there and potentially trade him as a, you know, former high pick that, like, has ability. And it's frustrating because Chuck Fletcher was the one who decided to trade down and pass on Cole Caulfield again. And when we talk about point-per-game players, and I know that it sucks because, you know, you don't like hearing, hey, this guy isn't big enough. We've heard that before in this town. Caulfield is a point-per-game player, right? He's got 21 in 22 games. He's got 12 goals. Would that guy look good on this team? Would that be a guy that you could potentially build around? Is that a guy that you could market? Is that a guy that, like... As a as an organization, if it's the the ticket and the and the marketing people like that, they want to try to sell people on like, hey, come out and watch young Cole Caulfield, you know, put put the biscuit in the basket. Like, can we do that? Again, it's like that that idea of like being the smartest guy in the room or needing to prove to be the smartest guy in the room, overthinking an, a, a simple pick, and here you are. Like, there is a perfect example of like swap those picks. You you filled a need. You have that right there for you. And it's frustrating because Chuck Fletcher has had far too much time to do this job. And the thing that is just endlessly perplexing and frustrating about it is not only has he screwed you this year, he has screwed you long term. And so I come back to this Kevin Hayes thing. Or I come back to like the Rasmus Ristolainen or the, Tra or the Travis Sanheim contract, or even the Couturier contract. You have tied whoever the successor is, probably Danny Breer. You've tied the successor to having to clear those deals out or to trying to build a team in a way that you can still work around those contracts. My biggest concern is that this organization is afraid to let go of Chuck Fletcher because they let him oversee another offseason and they're going to let him go through another trade deadline and they're going to let him fumble the bag again. And then they're going to give a GM a very limited time in the offseason ahead of a draft and ahead of a potentially important free agent period. And I just sit back and I go, you can't do that. That is organizational malpractice There's to the allow that to happen again. There it is. That's the Russ, the Russ phrase. It is. And 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 there it is not being emotional. Again, remove yourself from the situation. And anybody looking at this team from a league-wide perspective would say. The roster was never good enough. It made no sense to bring in the win-now coach, given the talent or lack thereof that you have. It made no sense to lock a bunch of these like middle mid-level talents into long-term contracts at high AAVs. At some point, you have to cut the cord. And I think the shame is whoever comes in, and Ant, we talked about this last week, almost has this like Herculean task just to fix the mistakes of Chuck Fletcher. But all that said, I certainly don't trust him to be the one to get them out of it. You know, I, I'm not certain. I'm not certain that the organization does. 
And I say that guys that work with them, though, Anthony, like where where are the other voices behind the scenes to say, Chuck, like you can't make that. That's a dumb signing. That's not worth that. Like there, there, there's four other people behind him. Like if I'm in the office, I'm looking, I don't know, maybe people aren't belligerent. I'm looking, I'm going, dude, what are you doing? I don't care who I am or what my role is. You can't sign that guy for five years or we need to look at this guy. What can we do? Like, are there other voices that actually register in his head, or is he just does it just go in one ear and out the other? So we're my, we're and, talking and, about Brent Flair, about Danny Briere. Who else? He's Ian Anderson as a as a public punching bag before. Yeah, the money. There's a there's a. Uh, I, I'm trying to think who else is in there. Uh, well, I mean, Alan McCauley is usually in that group, and um, Hanrahan I, is part of it. He's been well. Yeah, he's the, he's the, Barry's the assistant money guy charging the money, um, and and. Of among the senior advisors, the one who sits down with him the most to talk about personnel is Dean Lombardi. So that's really that's kind of the circle, right? I mean, that's that's kind of the circle of people. And yeah, I mean, I think it's fair what you're saying, Bunny, because let, let, let's say a change happens, and you know, over the past seventy-two hours or so, there's been a little smoke coming out um, that uh, that this could be something that's being considered. Um, I don't think it's imminent. I don't think that Dave Scott's looking to next week fire Chuck Fletcher and and install Danny Briere as general manager, but I do think that it's being discussed. Well, I know it's being discussed, and I do think that if it happens, it will happen before the deadline, so that the new G that Dan, if Danny is the new GM, that he then will be um, able to you know start building the team in in, in the way he wants to do it um, at the deadline. But that being said, he's a special assistant to the general manager, and he is, you're right, he has signed off on these contracts for Sanheim and for Ristolainen and, um, you know, and, and, and the, uh, some of the other moves that have, that have, that have happened. And you look at looking there, uh, I, I, I think that he was probably, in all honesty, I think Danny might have been the driving force behind the Nick Delorier uh, decision. Um, I do know Danny was a Tortorella guy too, though. Um, and it's interesting here, here's, here's torts being torts again, the other day when he's asked about his relationship with the front office and, um, and, 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 uh, you know, how there could be some strain there, uh, during a a tense time, like a 10 game losing streak. And John says, no, 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 we, we talk all the time. We work together. We're very collaborative. And he talks and he mentions everybody by name that he talks to, but then takes the opportunity to say, and I love talking to Danny Briere because he's a brilliant hockey mind. <laughs> Doesn't say that about Chuck, but Danny Briere is a brilliant hockey mind. So that tells you who Chuck's pushing for. Right. And so I, I, think, I, 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 yeah. And I think yeah. again, that the only reason that it just hasn't happened yet is I think ownership wants to sit there and say, John Tortorella is not running our team. And so this is their way of saying, you're not running the team, John, we're still going to keep Chuck here for a while, make you, make you deal with it for a while, but because they know they still have, the, the the buffer of a couple months before the, the the trade deadline. So I think that they look at it and say it doesn't matter, you know, who's calling guys up and sending guys down. That those 
decisions are pretty mundane. It's more about when we hit the deadline, do we trust Chuck Fletcher to be in charge? And I think that the answer is a certifiable no. And so, therefore, a, a change at the position could happen, um, probably will happen prior to that deadline. The question is, when will it happen? And that's that's the that's the unknown at this point. Yeah. You know, I I think maybe we need to make a, a personal plea. Maybe we need to make a plea to ownership to understand the optics and to understand where the fans are. Like maybe that's where we're at. So let me, Dave Val, thanks for listening as always. Let me just point out really quickly that the ultimate holiday gift that you can give every Flyers fan this this holiday season is not a Santa sack. It's the sacking of Chuck Fletcher. And once you do that, you will bring back the fans into the Wells Fargo Center and you will get yourself at least six to ten months of no negativity from the Snow the Goalie podcast or from the fan base. Thanks for listening. <laughs> that like I feel like that's where we're at. It's here, here's my other thing. And, and Bundy, like, I, I want your opinion on this. Because in the past, Ant has been the one to say, whether Danny Briere is a good hockey mind or not, there have been so many mistakes made that if you're going to oust Chuck Fletcher, that everyone has to go. Like, And there might be collateral damage. There might be people who are good at their jobs in the front office, but they, they, they all have to go. Like, that's the way. Like, if you move on from Chuck Fletcher, these guys have all rubber-stamped everything. They all have to go. Is there a line of thinking that you move on from Fletcher soon, you let Briere operate under the interim tag, and then you allow yourself to have the flexibility in the offseason to really go out and, like, interview the best of the best? Like, is is that something that you could even see them doing? Or are we going to get the typical, you know, I hate to say it, the typical Flyers line of, su- of succession is fail upward. Chuck will, you know, lose the GM title and he'll continue to fail upward. I mean, he's already the president, but like he's just going to get to keep that title. Danny becomes the the official GM and, you're, and you just sit back and you go like, what is fundamentally going to change? Like, are we more likely to see that or is there a chance that they say, Danny, you do this, take a trade deadline. Like, let's see if you do a good job. Let's see if you execute good trades. Let's see what your scouting looks like. Let's see what guys you bring in. Do they give him a few month buffer as an interim? Like, where are we at? <laughs> They're just going to flip them. Danny will be the GM and Chuck will be the assistant, the advisor to the GM. <laughs> 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 uh, you know what, Russ? I Listen, I, I don't know. I, I, you know, I covered Danny Breer here. I don't know the innings, uh, ins and outs. I have no idea if he's a brilliant hockey mind. I don't know at all. I really, I can't say. Uh, you know, when I used to see Danny in there, uh, when I worked over there, you know, he was doing the main Mariner stuff. Uh, you know, it was basically done on a whiteboard, you know, just flipping names. So, but again, you know, he's been around the team. But again, I, I just I look at the last three years. I mean, there's there's a there's a whole handprint on this, you know. And and I'm not just saying like there are there are GMs I would assume in any sport there are complete egomaniacs that want no input from anybody, and maybe that's Chuck. I don't know that, but I always believe there's got to be a big enough voice if you believe in something, if you have conviction and belief in it. And if I'm believing, like, say, like, hey, uh, you know, I don't like signing an extension or I don't like that player, but Chuck loves him, then, you know, I played in the league. He didn't. Um, I've seen as many or more games than he has. Why would I – why is his opinion better than the guy that played? So I don't know. That's what I'm saying. But I don't know what Danny Briere can do either. I have no idea. I mean, if he's 
if he's behind, you know, supporting these extensions or, you know, getting given a guy that should have been a, on a one-year contract for the remainder of his career, a four-year deal, I'd like to know about that. You know, I'd like to know what we're dealing with here at least, you know, and, and maybe for the first time, listen, I'm a, I'm a believer that this, this is an organization that um, you can find good people. We've had them here. We've had Craig Berube as a coach. He went on to win a cup. I knew how great a coach he was here. I knew how much players loved him and the work that they did for him. Um, but I don't believe in anything right now because there's, there's there's too much of a disconnect all over the place. There's a disconnect between the players on the, the – the coach has actually gone from ripping the players to not ripping them and almost having empathy and feeling sorry for them to turning the tide back on up to, to, up to management. So it, there's so many different convoluted pieces here. But what do I think is going to happen ultimately, guys? I think Jock will be fired. Danny will be put in that position. Um, and I guess they'll let him have a, a swing of it. But again, I, I, you know, unless there's somebody that's come in from the past or has an idea or they're willing to work with somebody, maybe you have a mentor. Like I like Dean Lombardi around. I like that Paul Holmgren's still around because I actually have trusted the work that he's done in the past. Remember, everyone says, well, you got to be judged by your cups. I don't necessarily believe that. I, I, I like the way Homer ran this team from a standpoint. He get the fan base excited by making splash trades. Maybe they weren't all great. But I think from that standpoint, I think that you have to have something to excite the fans. It's not about the, 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 the it's not about Danny or Chuck uh, or anything else. This is about the, the organization, the crest, and, and, and your fans and what you can do for your fans. And that, to me, is the most important thing right now. Uh, if I'm giving a guy free reigns of this team – after the disaster that we've been through for three or four years, uh, I want to know darn well that he knows what he's doing and he's able to evaluate talent. You know, you don't have to be a guy that played a thousand games in the league, uh, but I, I want someone that that genuinely knows uh, hockey talent, and that doesn't has and that doesn't necessarily have to be a lawyer that never played a single game in the NHL. It's a great so, point. That's very it's a great funny. point. Uh, last thing that I wanted to get to today really quick, and it was, it was on torts and it was a little controversy. It was going around Twitter. Um, and I wanted to get your, your feeling, but really probably more ant, um, on this one. So there, there was a, uh, a, a post game scrum after the Islanders game. No. Where was it? Yeah. Yeah. In New York. I think you're going. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, John Tortorella answered a bunch of questions. And what we have seen, and actually, Bundy, I, I did mean to ask you about this. You know, Tortorella has gone out of his way, as you mentioned, to kind of almost empathize with his players, you know, like mm-hmm. touting the fact that they're trying yeah. while also indirectly referencing the fact that, like, they're not talented enough to win uh, many games currently. Um, Called them young and dumb. It, it almost feels <laughs> like he is trying to take the, the heat for his players by like making himself the story in a sense, which actually, if if all things are considered, he is getting paid a lot of money and like good on him for doing it. And I have to assume that that's going to play well in the locker room, correct? Like, as a player, Bundy, like would 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 that sit well with you? Does it matter? Yeah, you, you know what? You almost you it, 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 there's different. There's different. That's a great question, Rusty, and I don't want to answer it too long here, but I'll tell you what: that could be one of those things where you're thinking to yourself, man, the coach has our backs because we suck. And we know we're not getting any better. And then there's a time where your coach has your back because you're a good team and you're really working your balls off, let's say, but you haven't got the results. Then the coach steps up and takes one for you. But I think now it's almost like you feel like, Jesus, this guy almost has sympathy for us. We're so bad. And that's yeah. the worst place to be after 20 games. And that's what it does feel like some nights. Like, I'm not saying anything about those players. They played a hell of a hockey game out there. They really played hard. All right. 
know. It's like coaching youth sports. <laughs> yeah, it really is. It's like coaching youth sports. Yeah. Um, okay, so Tortorella has this this scrum, answers some questions, and if he doesn't want to answer a question, he he typically kind of nips it in the bud and like gives a more direct answer than maybe some coaches in the past that might give like a, a maybe a little bit more of a flowery wordy kind of answer, kind of mm-hmm. talk in circles, ultimately say nothing. Like very very politician kind of thing, a very political answer. You know, you you get to the end of it and you go, "All right, here's like a a paragraph long response, but it it really does amount to nothing." So, we get to the end of this scrum and uh, the issue that was raised by one of the the writers at the Philadelphia Inquirer, uh, Gianna Han, she's the one who um, initially tweeted out something to the effect of Tortorella not or he him refusing to give the answer, refusing to give answers to questions in the scrum, which immediately kind of raised some questions. And there had been some concerns from some in the fan base that it was the Columbus game that Tortorella didn't uh, meet with the media. There was a concern. I know that like the uh, the PHWA had had perhaps contacted, discussed with the Flyers the the lack of availability by John Tortorella. Um, that's a that's a no no. You're getting paid to be a coach in this league. Part of your responsibilities is to meet with the media. Okay, fine. Maybe there was a little bit of a concern that Tortorella was beginning to set a bad precedent. Um, and then Gianna Han also put out or Gianna Han. I don't know. If she's Italian. Gianna. 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 Gianna, uh, that she, she put out like the transcribed Q and a, uh, I think it was three questions that had been asked in Tortorella's responses. And the gist of his responses were, I'm not going to bury these players. Like I'm not going to give you an answer. I don't remember if it was to her or to Olivia, uh, the, the other writer for the inquirer, uh, you know, he didn't want to give names. He didn't want to point to specific responsibilities, who's to blame for a goal, like that kind of thing. You know, where did, tell me where you think things went south. And he essentially said like, well, you watch the game. Like you write it up, like you analyze it, you write it up. When that transcript came out, it felt more like fans said, all right, hold on a second. This isn't really a fair criticism of the coach. Like he did answer your question. He just didn't feed you the answer that you might've wanted. Now, this stands in stark contrast to what Ant talked about earlier in the show about what Hitchcock would do, where Hitchcock would bring them in and, you know, not on the record, but would like show this guy sucks and here's why on film, like to give context. And when when you saw this going down, you know, Crossing Broad isn't expensing you to go up to cover the game on the island, right? They're not expensing you to go to Columbus. They're not expensing you to go to L.A. There's part of me that says, any outlet in the current landscape of sports that is going to pay to send their writers to cover a team, especially one as bad as this one should almost like, I don't want to say you should be grateful that like you're given the opportunity to go and like to expense this, but like you kind of should be because I know that there are other outlets that are currently not doing that. Some that you have to pay for that aren't sending their people. When you saw this, you know, Twitter outrage initially, and then kind of dialed back, Were you, one, surprised, and two, do you think the criticism was fair to frame it as him refusing to answer questions? Was I surprised at the outrage? No. Do I think it was fair? Not at all. I've been through 22 years of coaches giving non-answers, of coaches giving snappy answers, 
of being yelled at by general managers for something that I'd written from being told that no one will ever talk to me in the organization again. Um, I, I've, I've been through the ringer with it and I'm still here. I'm still writing. I'm still doing my job. I'm still getting stories. I'm still getting source sourced information. So like, I, I, I thought it was a little bit of a mountain out of a molehill. Um, Torts was, I felt that he was as polite as he could be when answering those questions, the way he answered them. And he did, the Inquirer was the only regular beat outlet there. I mean, unless you want to count Wayne Fish. Um, Wayne has two homes, one in New York. So a lot of times when the Flyers play in New York, he goes and stays at his second home. Um, Look at Bundy. Bundy's like this guy. We just we just like, released a book together. Like, Did you know right? about yeah. about this? Yeah. Did you know about the <laughs> New York home, Bundy? Are we yeah. like? Is Amp blowing up a marriage? I don't know if Wayne Fish is married. Like, no, the, did the, Amp the, just he's like, married. Like, well, his, like, his, the, his wife works. The second, in, there's a second his, family out there. There's not Wayne Fish. Nice guy. No, his wife works in New York. That's why they have a second. Okay. It's her. They she they kept her home and he kept his home and okay. That's they have two homes. So so he goes up there. Um, so he was the only other person from the Philadelphia media present. I guess that Olivia and Gianna drove the, the questions in the interviews post game. Torts answered the first three or four. I mean, they weren't great answers, but he answered them. And then he answered, he gave the, I'm not criticizing my team non-answers over the last three questions. Um, and, and I guess that the, the, the blow up was about Gianna saying he's not allowing us to do our job. <laughs> and I think that that was probably something that was written wrong by her because it's not that I, I, maybe she, maybe she should have just said, he makes it harder for us to do our job. In which case, then I, I still kind of disagree, but at the same time, I could see where where she would be coming from, right? Yeah. But but to say that he's not allowing us to do our job is 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 just wrong because he's not beholden to give you any answer, right? That's number one. Number two, you're there. You have access. And you are asking your question. You are doing your job. They did their job that night. Mm -hmm. They did their job. And they wrote stories. So, in essence, they completed their job. John Tortorella did not stop them from doing their job, right? So, I think it was just a poorly written tweet. And it turned into, oh, young girls are crying about doing a job that guys should be doing, blah, blah, blah. And it turned into this whole misogynistic BS replies from all the from all the meathead guys on Twitter, right? Which is, which they're, they're wrong too, because yeah, it's sure. good that we had, it, 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 I should say this up front, almost like as a preface, even though we're six minutes into this conversation, it's good that we are in a world that allows everyone to work the same kind of job, no matter what your gender is, no matter what your race is. It's, it's great that we have that option 
for not the case in every to... country, as we've seen in the World Cup. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So the it's... country sucks until you start to see what some of the other countries right. allow and don't allow. Right. I'm sorry. So it's so it's but good. Just... It's good that it's not just a bunch of old white men being the gatekeepers of the sport, right? Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you can't use crutch that was your uh oh the attack of ants internet has happened hold on i'm gonna i'm gonna pop him out and pop him back in let's see let's see if this fixes him it might it might not i can't believe all right go ahead try again you said you can't use it as a crutch yeah you can't use it as a crutch and and basically be that oh because i'm you know because they're not white guys who've been covering sports for hundreds of years that, you know, that's why Torts is responding the way he's responding. He would have responded that way if I asked that question. Yeah. He would have responded that way if Sam Carcidi asked that question, if Wayne Fish asked that question, right? That's just Torts. That's the way he is, the way he operates. So it it doesn't matter, and it's up to us then to say, okay, he didn't give us anything that we could use. Does that become part of the story? that he doesn't want to answer questions or do we just say, eh, it was just a one-off for this time. Uh, we'll write around it and use quotes from the players instead. And that's up to you journalistically, whatever you want to do, whatever you feel is, is the most appropriate way to go. And you could go either way and cons- both would be conceivably correct. So I, th- I just think that it was the way that the tweet was worded and then the immediate response from, fans that were just saying some really nasty shit to her that really allowed this to blow up and you get a column from marcus hayes the next day like uh, the next day or two days later two days later i guess that lambastes uh torts for being you know a bully and for being you know a jerk and this is and, and the fact of the matter is is that he was nothing of the sort it was the people responding on Twitter that were that way. Yeah. And it was and it was somehow interpreted by people as that's the response that these reporters got. And so blame torts because of these jerks. And it's just wrong. It's just flat out wrong. And the other side, I think, also kind of got exaggerated, too, because I don't think Gianna Han put out the tweet to make it sound like John Torrell is a misogynist who refuses to acknowledge women covering sports, which was interesting because Sarah Baker uh, weighed in and she, you know, she kind of subtweeted it a little bit. Right. But she said like, I better not be seeing members of the media, you know, implying that their gender has anything to do with not getting answers. And then that kind of led to another thing. Cause it, the, the funny thing is, imagine, imagine America divided. You had like the group, as you mentioned, like the meatheads, who were like, women shouldn't be doing sports, uh, cover sports. And then the other side was like, there were people who were like, these these young women are trying to do their job. And this sexist, misogynist, piece of shit, John Tortorella, like, that that wasn't it. And I don't think it was initially framed like that either. And and it's just like, it it got legs of its own. The thing that I, I laughed at, though, Ant, when I saw it is, I thought of it and I went, yeah, I probably would have done that about three years ago. Like you and I going down and covering a game together, that's like a very me thing. Like my first year to go out and like and tweet and to make like a big mess out of something. 
And so like, I kind of laughed and I was like, I also kind of feel a little bit bad because I know that like, if it were me in that first year, I probably would have been like, why is this guy being a dick? Like just answer our questions. The, the thing that um, I think is important to note here. What, what were you going to say? And I'm going to, I'm going to sound like an old fuddy duddy. I'm going to sound like an old man yelling at a cloud here. Right. But the response to you there is that's why you have to, that's why it used to be that you had to work your way into that spot as a writer. That you didn't just automatically come out of college and be handed a professional sports beat. Because it's different. It's different covering pro sports than it is covering high schools or covering colleges. It's, it's, it's a lot different. And so, but this is the, this is the world we live well, in now. There it, is no. It is tricky, though, because when you say handed, it implies that, like, no work was done leading. No, up no, no, no. I don't I think don't, I, which is not what you're trying. I don't believe you're trying to say. No, well, the, I mean, the, you don't just. It, no one used to do that. I mean, it, you used to have to, you know, the old the old man saying is you had to pay your dues, right? So yeah. you used to have to start covering high school sports and then covering college sports and and do, sitting on the desk and typing agate and you know answering phones and you know writing roundups and things BS stuff that used to happen in newspapers. Now, okay, it's a different world. The newspaper world is not like that anymore. You don't do that anymore. Those roles don't exist. So. If you're going into the world of journalism fresh out of school, you're probably going to be doing something bigger than you would have done even 15 years ago, right? I mean, so yeah. so I get that, but there is no there's no training, right? You're not trained on how to do this. You're just you know, you're thrown to the wolves. Part of the other right? thing, I mean, you know, is knowing. But this knowing is no different audience, than right. Shouldn't you know like who you're covering? Like if you're a coach, like if she covered a team in Detroit, you're going to be covering somebody completely different than you are John Tortorella in Philadelphia. Well, you know, I, I look at it as instead of complaining about it, to me, he gives you gold every night. I don't know if they realize mm -hmm. it or not, but they're getting absolute liquid gold that they could use. And, and I don't know if they understand that or not. Um, that may be also part of experience, Anthony. You're talking. I don't know what it's like to be a writer. I, you know, I'd seen you guys. Uh, you know, when I when I was a um, doing tv and i I'd, I'd go in the room and i listen to questions and and um you know sometimes ask them but I, by no means that i really care who answered me one way or another um and, and and i also understood the mood and the temperament of the situation you're in which becomes very much part of it right it's not like every day is the same every day you're gonna you're gonna have coaches with us with emotion you're gonna have players with emotion and sometimes that's gonna come off the wrong way but I think for torts, and I'll, I'll end it. I can't believe we've talked about this for this long. Um, it, it was I, I, I saw it on Twitter. Today, I literally started laughing when I saw that tweet. I was it was funny as hell because I'm like, this is unbelievable. Use the guy; he's giving you yeah. stuff, whether you want to believe it or not. But um, just know your audience, know who you're dealing with, and uh, and have an understanding of, of circumstances and situations. Well, let me, let me just ask you. Let me ask you this question, buddy, because I think this is. I don't think I've ever asked this of a professional athlete, and so I'll, I'll I'll throw it to you. And you know, over the course of your career, there were several times where there was a new writer who came in um, onto the beat. I mean, even I was a new mm -hmm. reporter when you were on the team at one point. And so, when new reporters start showing up, guys talk about it. Like, who is that? You know, do we know that person? You know, where do they work? You know, what, what are they writing about that? Like, do guys talk about that kind of stuff? I think I would think that they do. And I would think that there would be 
there's got to be a, a period of time where they say, let's feel this person out before we know whether or not we're going to talk to them a certain way or answer questions a certain way, or if we're just going to give like the, the generic answer. Right. I mean, I, I, that does happen, doesn't it? Yeah. I, there's, I don't think there's any doubt about it. And I think, you know, in the, in the, in the mid nineties, when I was here, we started off with Gary miles, then it went on to somebody else. We had Les Bowen. He, he transcended to another guy. So there was a lot of big names that, that covered the teams. Sam, you know, then Panaccio came in. I remember you coming in, Chuck Gormley was there. Me and Chuck yeah. become great friends ever since, you know, but, uh, I always had a, a, a. I always thought there was a good understanding, a respect factor from the reporters that covered our teams back then. I used to have it like I never came out and said, "Oh, these guys don't know what they're doing." I had a pretty good sense that our beat writers had an understanding of the game. Now, did I agree with it every time? No, I, I didn't. Um, right. But I thought they understood the game pretty well. Um, yeah, and I think that that's a two-way street. You got to build a trust thing in that, you know, like where you know that uh, you know, like I, I I appreciate the fact you got to write an honest game story. And that players are part of it. Um, but I also think you have to develop that relationship a little bit too. I used to see when new guys came in, I'd notice and I'd always try to go say hello to them or whatever. And I wasn't a guy anybody would really write a lot of things about. You know, I wasn't a star player that was going to be ink, a lot of ink fodder on the front of a paper or in the, the news story. So I didn't worry about it as much. But I always did have a good respect level for the guys that we had. And I even developed more of it as I became a broadcaster and understanding for how difficult the job is. But I also thought our I thought our beat writers, including yourself and other guys, had a pretty good understanding um, of the room and understanding there's going to be some rough nights and rough mornings in the in the sport in, in pro sports. And I think they did a pretty good job of it of getting the story without going overboard too too much. There's always story. Unfortunately for the Flyers, living under the the, the guise of the of, of '88 and the '90s, there was a it became a soap opera in many ways. So there was always something beyond. The, the level of the actual on ice product that 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 kind of dictated it and, and headlined the news, uh, which sucked. That's not why I played. I didn't want to turn into a soap opera. I just wanted to talk about the game on the ice. But that happens. And, and I think that Philadelphia, to be quite honest with you, over the years has been pretty lucky to have had the writers it's had. All this is to say, Ann, I'm really upset that I'm not down there. You got there honesty covering. right there, Anthony. Anthony, Anthony gets it's it good. right now. It's good honesty. Right. <laughs> I'm a little bit bummed that I'm not down there with you, Ant, covering the, the stuff. Um, because I had to go through a season or a season and a half of Dave Haxtell as the coach where you got absolutely nothing. It's interesting. That, I mean, the, the, the final point I guess here is like, if you do a good job of cultivating relationships with players, coaches, whomever, and you're on the road and like you, you do have the ability to travel to away games. One would think that you could build a decent enough relationship to get some off the record responses to add flavor, to add some color to your story, to add some informed um, speculation to what you're writing and ultimately put out a good piece. But I will always stand firm in the belief that like when it comes to a game recap, you don't need a damn quote. You shouldn't. You shouldn't. If you're covering a team, you should be able to put together a full coherent piece based on what you saw in the game and based on what you have learned from behind the scenes, from talking to players, coaches, people in the organization. You shouldn't yeah. need a quote. And and too often I find, and this is why I always kind of ragged on a lot of the traditional media outlet people, when you're putting together a 600-word post and a lot of it is block quotes that have been sent out from the team and you've simply done a copy-paste job uh, on some of those quotes because it's easy, that isn't doing your job. Uh, and, and, and you know, you, you say about, like, you know, having to – to you know 
pay your dues. This is no different than people working in any other industry. Mm -hmm. This even goes back to like my teaching days. Like you don't just walk in on your first day as a new teacher and get all AP classes. You, you don't do that. You start in the lower level classes and you prove that you have competency and you work through some difficult situations. And, and Bundy, to your point, you, you need to understand the people that you're working with or, you know, in, in that case, like know your students, know their families, know your administrators. You need to have a, a like, you know, good bedside manner or whatever. Uh, you know, like you, you have to have all of that and take it all into account so that you can do your job the most effectively. So uh, I hope that, you know, this kind of thing doesn't ever come up again because Tortorella is gold. His non-answers give you everything you need to write an entire yeah. piece about the fact that John Tortorella hasn't given an answer. He, he, he seems to be evading. Like there's so much you could write. Anyway, um, before we head out, five-star reviews. I want to point out that, um, and, and maybe you need to be the one to reiterate it. There are a few people who checked in with three-star reviews. And, um, and remind the people, what happens if you leave a three-star review? We read it, but not out loud. That's exactly right. And if they leave a one-star, two-star, or four-star review? We read it, but not out loud. That's exactly right. So you can shred into us. You can shred into me or to Ant or to Bundy, and we'll still read it on the show, but it has to be a five-star review. But you know what the funny All thing that... is? You know what the funny thing is about the three-star reviews? They're actually mostly positive. Yeah. It just wasn't a five-star review. So that brings us to, I think we have one or two new five-star reviews. Let's go yeah, to these real quick. They all they want. That's right. Uh, <laughs> Walt L67 says, awesome podcast, five stars. I appreciate their candid talk about the Flyers. Lifelong fan and will, uh, and will always be, but get so tired of hearing other podcasts sugarcoat it. Um, that is the only one because we had two, we had a Lee C five-star review. We always love Lee C leaving the new five-star review, but we had two, three-star reviews that said many positive things. Um, and there was one that said something negative about me that I was actually, I'd laughed and I was like, I would, I would read that, but it's not a five-star review. So if you want to go back in, you know who you are, switch it over to a five-star next week. We'll read it on the show. Uh, Bundy real quick, as we head out here, road to redemption, people can get it on yeah. Amazon. They can get it at Barnes and Noble, everything. Um, for those who are looking for a great holiday gift, looking for something for the Flyers fan in their life. Um, I don't know if you're doing book signings and if you're, yeah. you're out and about, uh, give people an idea of where they might be able to find you, you know, bef between now and, and our next episode. You have some stuff coming up. I know you do. Yeah, so I have, um, I, as I said, I'll be down at the Flyers game tonight, but uh, I won't be signing anything. I'm going to be at, uh, I'll be at Barnes & Noble tomorrow night uh, in Marlton, New Jersey. I'll put so that. That's, that's Friday the 2nd. Friday the 2nd. Uh, uh, that's apparently what I've been told. So I'm going to get some more information on that. <laughs> I think it's a go. Um but yeah, Friday the December second. Uh, that'll be. I think it's going to be from five to seven or six to eight. I'll, I'll get that uh, important information today. Um, yeah, booked. And, and I'd love. I know we got to get into the book one of these days. I've had a lot of uh, great things coming up. I'm going to be on Preston and Steve in studio on Tuesday morning at nine a.m. talking about it. Uh, Mike Missinelli's podcast. Rich uh, reached out as well. So it's garnered a lot of stuff, and I think it's really got guys where what I wanted to, to talk about. I mean, the, the hockey stories are great. I could have written three more books just on hockey stories, uh, but it's really the addiction stuff and, and uh, you know, where I was in my life and how I was able to pull myself out of it. And a lot of it's getting a lot of traction because I've had a lot of people talk to me and said, you know, what, Bundy, I, so many things in my life have, have uh, correlate with what your story is. And, uh, and thank you so much for bringing that to light. And, and, and again, uh, if it's helping people, uh, which is what the goal of it is, then then that's a win for me. And uh, 
it, there's enough addiction going on right now, guys, in this world that we live in, and uh, times are tough. And uh, and hopefully this can, if somebody reads it, gives them a a glimmer of hope, maybe to to find the finish line that they're looking for, like I was able to find. So I do have signings. There'll be a lot more probably moving even into January. Uh, but tomorrow night, uh, Barnes and Noble in Marlton, and I will post the times uh, on that later on. Great to be back today, too, guys. I know I missed about a month. Uh, really, really thrilled uh, to be back with you two uh, beauties. I, I do have a, well, thanks, Bundy. It's great to have you back. I, I do have one non-hockey question for you. Yes, I'm sure in your home you have a nice television or two, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Did you do you have them mounted on the wall by any chance? I do. I do not. I do not. I actually you have had just a, stand right. So actually, you know what I had? I'll, I'll, yeah, I, I have it on a TV thing. I can take a picture and send it to you. But what I what I had in the basement, I did it like 12 years ago. I actually someone got like an Epson project, projector and then I put a screen down in the basement, which came out, which is like a 120 inch screen. But it doesn't give that really crisp high def like one of those, you know, UHF TV, whatever they're called now, the, the 4K. Mm -hmm. uh, so, but but I don't have a I don't have a wall mounted TV anywhere in the house except for the screen. So you know, we just moved um, recently, and uh, I got two very nice size televisions, mm -hmm. um, uh, both of those 4K UHD TVs that you're talking about, um, and I can't figure out for the life of me how to mount these things on the damn wall. I am so unhandy. And Russ has offered to come help, but I'm I'm leery about having him do it because when oh. he offered to help, he was uh, he didn't know he answered the phone. It was a FaceTime, right? I called him on FaceTime because he called. Um, no, I wanted to, I wanted to see the, I wanted week. to see the back of the of the TV. And he called and I, me on FaceTime at like nine thirty in the middle of the week, and I thought he was on his deathbed with COVID part two. <laughs> So I answered. So he answers the phone, and and so I ask him about it, and he's willing to. He's like, "Oh yeah, I can tell you how to do it." And then I hear cackling from next to him. Turns out his wife is is laying there right next to him, and she says, "Oh, you really want Russ to help you do this?" So now I'm like, if Nancy doesn't think that he can that he could get the job done, <laughs> I'm worried what? about having him do it. So I'm yeah. I'm kind of like looking around, I'm trying to find somebody Anthony. who's, who's kind of handy to come help and put these up. You, you just did your job. So whoever's going to see this today on Snow the Goalie is yes. going to be reaching out to you saying, you know what? I know how to hang TVs. Let me come that's, and help you. That's the idea. It <laughs> saves me 250 bucks to right. not let Best Buy do it, right? You're not gonna, right? Hold on a second. There's a listener right now who's like, you know what? I also happen to live in Belco near Anthony. <laughs> I can hang up a TV for you, Anthony. You're not going to – are you going to feed the person? You're going to have, you're gonna have Maria make some, like, you know, pasta vizool? Huh? Maria, Maria will make him a nice Italian dinner. Yeah, you will make a nice gonna... Italian dinner. We'll have a couple glass of wine, you know, pull that out of the wine couple fridge. A glasses of wine turn into a couple of bottles. Who's yeah. to say? Who's yeah, to say? Who's be a nice, to say? Be a nice, be little, nice little evening at, at the San Filippo household. I can't believe he's trying to change. Explain to that man of God there. I'll come over and hang the TV for you there, man. <laughs> well, that's a, a good spot to end. Bundy, happy to have you back. Uh, remember, you can follow us over on Twitter at Snow the Goalie, at Ansan Philly, at C Terrian Six, at Joy on Broad. You can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Snow the Goalie. You can listen to the show. Subscribe, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music. Really quick before we go. I tweeted this out from the uh, the Snow the Goalie account as we are currently, you know, 
uh, at odds with our unpaid intern who's been running the Twitter account all these years, right, Ant? Um, <laughs> yes. We, I say this every year, and it's always around Thanksgiving. It's always around the holiday. We, we always say how grateful we are and how thankful we are for our listener base. And we're, we're very fortunate in that the show continues to grow. And one of the cool things, and I think I might have sent these to you as screenshots, and I might not have, but I had it. One of the metrics that Spotify gave us, which was really great and we put out, is that our streams this year are up 70% over last year. And I'm like Mr. Anti-Percentage Guy because like 7 out of 10 is 70%. Oh boy, you got an extra 7 listeners. But it's not that. It's not like it's this microscopic sample size. So like our, our listener base that had already been sizable has gone even more. And the thing that's exciting is, and I don't even know if I told you this years ago, Ant, but like I always had a listener number that I wanted us to hit. And I feel like we're very close to being able to, to pass that threshold. And so I, I say all that, and I also point to a metric that Spotify gave, uh, and they give to all podcasts, I guess people who set up you know, in the back end of, of Spotify, that 48% of the people who found our show this year found it via text. So somebody took the link to the Spotify episode or to the Spotify feed and actually texted it to a friend, which is good because here's the former teacher in me. I have been given homework the last couple of weeks and or the last couple of shows where I said, tell two other people, tell two other Flyers fans in your life about the show and, and share it to them because that's an easy way for the, the listener base to continue to grow. You tell two people, they tell two people, they tell two people and boom, bingo, bango, bongo it seems that that may or may not have worked. So in this holiday season, to bring some some holiday cheer, to put a smile on Anthony's face, on Anthony's face, you know, he's feeling a little bit sad. You know, nobody's hanging his televisions on a TV for him, you know, on the wall. <laughs> put a smile on Anthony's face. Share the podcast. It's on all those platforms. And, of course, you can uh, watch the show over on YouTube. Uh, youtube.com slash crossing broad. We have the, the snow, the goalie feed. And I want to give a shout out here to one of our loyal listeners, uh, Steph number free on Twitter, who said um, she's enjoyed the, the YouTube videos this year. The facial reactions are simply priceless and a phenomenal addition to an already amazing show. Thank you for your efforts. And may 2023 be bigger and better than ever. And that's, that's, that's the thing that I think does it for us. It's it's those kind of comments. It's those kind of moments. So if you listen, if you watch, thank you. And we'll continue to like tout how much we appreciate everyone here through the holiday season. But Bundy, great to have you back. And lovely to see that that glowing smile and that 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 big old brain of yours. You know, we these, get the... these last these last three minutes are the absolute uh, microcosm of one of our three star reviews. Just so I yes, put that out there. Yeah, it was it was ten words into a hundred. <laughs> anyway, thanks for listening to Snow the Goalie the Only Flyers podcast. Find us wherever you get your podcasts. Find us over on youtube.com slash crossing broad. Snow the goalie feed. Thanks for listening. For Bundy, for Ant, I'm Russ. Thanks for listening. We're watching. We'll talk to you again next week.